Welcome to the Life with Five podcast, where we get real about marriage and parenting. Our heart is to help you discover hope and healing by infusing faith into your family. Here are your hosts, Ray and Carol Hintz. Hey there, welcome to the Life with Five podcast. We're so excited to have you join us for our conversation today. And just a warning, we're going to get pretty real in this episode and I 100% will cry. Well, (laughs) I I would probably expect no less, but uh, if I start crying, then we know things have just derailed and have gone sideways. But today we're going to talk about your relationship, your marriage, and the part really usually that happens right after your marriage, the happily ever after, and how a lot of times couples, they subscribe to this idea that it's almost like this myth that we just believe, like, we got married, everything's going to be great, right? Like, hey, it's going to be fantastic. And I think we kind of ride that euphoric, newlywed feeling into our marriage a lot of times when we think, it is amazing. And listen, marriage is awesome and it is amazing, but it's also some work. And so we want to give you some keys to starting your marriage right because we did not do that. And we've seen a lot of other couples over the years as pastors not do real well. Yeah. And, you know, we thought that we had a lot going for us when we got married. We met when we were 15, 16 years old and started dating like later on in high school. But we had dated for four and a half years. We were engaged for a year and a half of Not that. Not recommended. It was a long time. And I got to the point where I like gave him a deadline. Like, <laughs> you have to marry me by this day on the calendar or else. And I don't know what that, what else was going to be, but June 22nd, I remember yes. <laughs> still, still then there. that's when we got married that day. Yeah, <laughs> that day. And I don't know what the or else was going to be. I did love you and wanted to marry you. So well, that is good. And I'm very yeah. glad, thankful for that. I finally got my act together, but you know, we didn't go into marriage with a lot of the concerns. That I think a lot of times when we're doing premarital mentoring, you know, we have for other couples, we yeah. didn't have any like big debt. We had good jobs. Um, we had done premarital counseling counseling with our pastor. Um, you know, we even read a book about sex. I mean, <laughs> it was a good old time. Yeah, it was great. And we had the same friend group. Most of our friends were the people that we went to church with. We were super involved in our church. So we had, you know, the same friends and the same life values and all of that good stuff. And then our families, we got along really well with each other's families, which was important to us because we're both really close to our families. And we weren't having sex before marriage. We weren't living together before marriage. So if you look at all the boxes... We checked every single one. Yeah, it it was like, boy, we are doing so well. We don't really have anything to work on. Yeah, or worry about. Everything was going to be great. Yeah, like we said, that happily ever after doesn't just happen. You have to work for that. And so um, there were some things, honestly, that I just missed. And one of the reasons I missed them is because I think I was a little bit ignorant or maybe willfully ignorant. I don't know. But I would compare our marriage (laughs) to... My parents' marriages, and those weren't good. Like, none of them lasted. None of them were healthy. None of them were good. There was a lot of fighting. People were, you know, walking out. There was lots of, uh, you know, problems, abuse, and different things that were going on, a lot of different dynamics. And so I just thought, well, we don't have any of that, so we must be doing fantastic. Um, But I really was missing some things, and I was not actively looking for problems. I wasn't paying attention to problems because I was so consumed doing other things. Mainly for me, 
it was church and ministry for you. It might be a job you have or whatever the case might be, where we just focus on one thing to an unhealthy degree, thinking that's what we're supposed to do. In my mind, I thought I'm doing this for God and this is what God wants me to do, not realizing that God wanted me to love my wife and to you know spend time with my kids and how important that was. And it should have been in my life. Yeah. And I really just felt unseen and unappreciated. And we had moved from Portland to Tucson with two small kids. And I felt very much alone. And, you know, I didn't feel like I had a safe place either. Like raise a really strong personality. So, That's you know, <laughs> my tendency early in our marriage and honestly today too, I still struggle with this is just this feeling like, um, I don't want to start an argument because I'm not going to win an argument. So Sadly, why would I put true. myself through that? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's not just a feeling that is, that was a truth, a reality. No. And, and I had just expectations of him as a husband, you know, being home more, playing with our kids when he was home and spending time with me when he was home. And they, that just wasn't our reality. Those expectations weren't met, but they also weren't really voiced either because I just didn't feel like I could express that. Yeah. And we were not in a really healthy like ministry church environment either. I didn't really, I don't know if I knew that at the time because I was so obsessed with it all. Um, But, you know, we didn't have anyone that would pull us aside and say, hey, you're running at an unsustainable pace. Like you need to be go home and spend time with your wife. Like no one was telling me that. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, in fact, the bad part was I would often get lauded and patted on the back for all the great things I was doing, which I'm sure just was like a dagger to Carol because she's like feeling like she's not being seen. She's not being heard. Nobody cares. And then, you know, everybody's saying how great Ray is. Right. And it just created a lot of distance between us because I wasn't willing to talk. And so most of the time that we spent together was not exactly quality time. Like we might be in the same room, maybe even doing the same things, but there was no connection. There was no emotional connection. There was very little physical connection either. So it just created a lot of distance between us. Yeah. And if you're familiar with the five love languages, uh, one of my primary love languages is acts of service. So when she says Mm -hmm. there was no connection, I thought like that was our connection. (laughs) But her love language is quality time. And so, and then both of our secondaries is physical touch. And so that wasn't really there, uh, at least not in a prevalent way, like it should be in a healthy marriage, at least for us. Mm -hmm. And so we just, it was kind of this cycle where I thought, okay, well, she's doing stuff, but then, you know, I would always nitpick and gripe about what she wasn't doing. And she was feeling like, I wasn't giving her what she needed. Yeah. And so it it really led to a lack of intimacy. And, you know, I didn't feel emotionally connected to Ray, so I didn't feel like I wanted to be physically connected to him either. And our sex life really suffered and it was really hard for a long time. It was, it was. And if you know me, um, (laughs) I'm not like naturally the most compassionate, empathetic person. Um, I tend to be more task oriented, which I think a lot of guys are. I'm not saying all guys by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of men 
are. And so not paying attention to Carol and not really, you know, reading the tea leaves, if you will, was, was problematic. And so I would run to other areas where I would find success. And, you know, we had a youth ministry that was growing. It was exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, a church that was telling me how great we were, a boss that was telling me how great I was. And like, it's easy to buy into your own hype in those moments and be like, well, I don't have the problem. You have the problem. Yeah. But I was the problem. <laughs> and I just felt like, oh, no, you're not so great. Like, I noticed every flaw. I noticed everything he did wrong. It honestly got to the point where I just, I didn't even like the sound of his voice. Like, I dreaded him coming home because... I'd have to listen to him. <laughs> and how can but you not like this sweet, know, sweet voice? I know. It's so sad. And looking back, you know, it wasn't all bad. I just couldn't see the good because I was so hyper-focused on the negative. Yeah. And so we are telling you this because we want to be real. We want to be authentic. And I love you very much. I love you too. <laughs> um, but we also want to give you some hope because yeah. I think that's there was a turning point for us. You know, it was... At a moment of really intense pain, I think it was really only the grace of God that allowed us to get through it. Um, there were some great people along the way that loved us in the midst of all of that. And despite maybe all of our you know, mess that we had both created. Um, but we do wanna give you some solutions because we said we wanna give you keys to a healthy marriage and starting yes. your marriage off right. But I wanna say this, no matter where you're at in your marriage, you can use these principles we're going to talk about because, you know, we were years into our marriage, eight, nine years in before we really started doing this. And the first one's communication. Yeah, it is just so important to create a safe place for communication and to really be willing to be vulnerable with each other. That was so hard for me and to, you know, to open up and to trust him with how I was feeling and what I was thinking and schedule it. Like for me, that's super helpful to put it on the calendar because I do process my feelings so much slower just naturally and I need time to think it through so I when I know when conversations are going to take place I feel like I can be a lot better prepared and say what I actually want to say yeah so when I said earlier I was ignorant of the issues it wasn't that I was ignorant that there was an issue I just didn't understand what the issue was. Yeah. Um, so I could, I could read her body language. I could tell <laughs> there was a problem and I would ask her like, what's the problem? But that's not really a great approach. If you want to get a serious answer, that's going to be helpful. And the thing you I think you have to remember is a lot of times you're going to be frustrated, but remember you want to get to a place where there's a solution. And sometimes that's going to mean doing things in a different way than it would help you because you're trying to help them. And when you come with that mindset, it just begins to change things. Because here's the thing, we're not mind readers. And <laughs> I don't know, ladies, maybe you're married to a guy and you're like, how can he not tell? <laughs> right? I mean, we are very different. Yes. Like after almost 20 years of marriage, we've learned how different we are. And we see the world differently and our minds work so differently that, you know, expecting him to know like it seems to me it seems like of course he should know it's so plain and simple but really that's just an unrealistic expectation yeah and and I would say two guys maybe you think your wife should just know and appreciate everything that you do like I thought well I'm working hard and this is you know providing for our family why don't you appreciate this or we're doing so well here and we're doing great things for God like why don't you appreciate this so you have to use 
words, and we'll talk about some different ways that you can do that, but stop having the expectation that the other person should just know. And you yeah. can keep saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it until you're blue in the face. It doesn't change the fact that they just don't. And so if you want to find a solution, you're serious about a solution, use those words. Yeah. And be patient with each other. Be patient with yourselves. It's a process, especially if you start from a bad place. It's not going to turn around overnight. So you've really got to be patient and just walk it through. I promise you there's hope, but yeah, let the process work through. Yeah. I, I tend to be a uh, fixer. And so like, I want to hear the problem and I just want a solution. And yeah. like, I think even in our relationship, um, we've talked about this before, but um, there are times when I ask Carol, like, is this <laughs> something you just want me to hear and listen right. to you? Or is this something you actually want me to bring a solution to? And yeah. like she said, it's not going to be solvable in one conversation, one you know session at a counselor. And like all of a sudden you're like, oh, we went to the counselor and we tried and it didn't work after two times visit. Like that's yeah. not effort. Right. This Sometimes it takes, it can take months, even years, but it can be so amazing. I'm so thankful for our marriages today. Yeah, definitely. And trust has to be built up. And, you know, when trust is broken, especially, it can be such a process to get back to a place of trusting each other. But the, the more you prove yourself trustworthy and the more you give grace to your spouse and trust that choose to trust them, even when it's difficult, the more equity you're going to build in that area of your relationship. Yeah. Cause if you're never making any deposits and you go to make a withdrawal, like the check's going to bounce. Do people still write checks? It's been a minute since I've written a check. <laughs> yeah, a I don't minute know. <laughs> since we've written a check, but you, you understand what I'm saying there. You're going to have insufficient funds. Yeah. And so, um, the, the one thing I would say is um, in this process of, of trusting somebody, um, we can't expect perfection from the other right. person. Like we're, we're humans, we're fallible, we make mistakes. And so that doesn't excuse sometimes those missteps, but we do have to work with a bit of a degree of grace because God, again, has been very gracious to us. Yeah. So uh, moving from trust, I think it kind of moves right into this next part, and that's forgiveness. Um, we want to make sure that we are forgiving one another. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I just reread 1 Corinthians chapter 13, mm. and you know, this definition of love that it's patient and it's kind and it forgives and it keeps no record of wrongs and it believes the best in each other. It perseveres through all things and hopes through all things. And forgiveness was so healing in our relationship. And that's so good. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, I love the definition of love because a lot of people for them, love is just an emotion. Yeah. But love is so much more than that. And, you know, I understand the idea of forgiveness. It doesn't necessarily condone what the other person did, but you're releasing yourself, really. You're freeing yourself because what unforgiveness does is it creates a prison in our own our own lives. Um, I heard one person compare it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. Maybe you are punishing them, but you're also hurting yourself, and you want the freedom that God has for your life. And so if something's happened to you in your marriage, in your family, in your life, in your past somewhere, um, I just want to encourage you to go through the process of forgiveness. And sometimes, by the way, forgiveness is a process. It's not just like, right. I say I forgive you and then it's all gone and done. It takes time to really walk through that. 
Yeah. And it's also really important to bring other people into your relationship, whether it's a counselor, and we did that for a while, whether it's mentors, um, individual mentors, or marriage mentors, people whose relationships you look up to. You know, early on, I didn't feel like we had safe people that I could talk to because we were in ministry and really all of our relationships revolved around the church and my husband was on staff. So who can I tell what a terrible person my husband is, you know? (laughs) No, but really you want people who are for you, who are for your marriage and who want to see you succeed and who are going to be there when times are difficult to encourage you and to pray for you. Yeah. And, and you need mentors and you need counselors or, you know, like a coach. Yeah. Counselors are kind of like a third party who's objective. A mentor might not be really completely objective. They might be able to use objectivity to see some things, but they they care about you. So it's not just mm-hmm. like, hey, you're out of my office. The session is yeah. done. They're going to follow up with you and you need to find those people. And you don't have to go up and say, hey, will you be my mentor or anything? No. Like, I feel like that's super intimidating for a lot of people. So maybe it's just say, hey, can I, can we take you out for dinner or something, you know, mm-hmm. or can we have you over and, and you start a relationship and you see yeah. kind of where it goes. Yeah, that's so good. And you, sometimes we have to restructure our priorities, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like God, of course, should be number one in our lives. And when we're pursuing him, it's going to help all the other things fall into place. So God first, our spouses come next. Um, we're together for the long haul and we want to invest in that relationship. And then our kids, our family relationship is more important than all the other relationships in our lives and our jobs and the things that we're doing to really invest in in our family. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love that idea of putting God first because here's the thing, people say, well, shouldn't I put my spouse first or shouldn't I put my kids first? The reason you put God first is because when you learn to worship God, He fills you with His love and then your love for your spouse, your love for your kids, it's the best love you can give. Right. And so that's why you put God first. And by the way, um, we'll talk about this more later, but your spouse comes before your children yeah. I mean, in your marriage. Now, I know some people maybe are on the other side of that, marriage. And so the dynamics are a little bit different, but if you're still married, your spouse is first. And so get on the same page and and start to restructure those priorities. And then the last thing we just say is realize this is a process. I know we kind of already talked about it, but it's going to take time. Um, If you're listening or you're watching and you're like, I know there's more for our marriage. I know there's more for our family. Um, I want you to know there's hope. But you need to be patient and trust God in that process because I found that God isn't necessarily just the God of the payoff moment, the big miracle, but it's in the waiting, it's in the process, it's in the journey that he actually builds the character, the depth, the perseverance that Carol was referencing. That's so good. A little tip for you when you're um, preparing to go into a conversation, write what you're feeling down. That's really helpful for me. Uh, Ray doesn't necessarily process that way. Usually he just lets the words come out of his (laughs) mouth. (laughs) But for me, my thoughts are usually like in a loop inside my head. So, and they go off on weird directions. But if I can write it out, it helps me clarify and really drill down to what it is that I'm feeling and thinking and what I want to express to him. And then I can express it in a way that comes out helpful as opposed to just word vomit that, you know, 
all my emotions flying everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, and we're going to give you uh, in the uh, description below, there will be a link there for you to have some questions or just conversation starters that mm -hmm. you can use. Also some phrases to stay away from. Usually those phrases are kind of the accusatory phrases like you never or you always or, you know, you make me because we have to take responsibility for what we feel and what we're going through as well. Um, that doesn't mean that it releases again responsibility of the other person, but we have to still take our responsibility, control what we can control. But we want to give you some action steps to help you move forward and really help you take your marriage, I think, to the next level, your family to the next level. Yes. And number one is to talk to your spouse or fiance. Set a date and a time right now. Pull out your calendar on your phone, whatever you use to schedule stuff and get it on the calendar. It's so important. Do it right now. Yeah, absolutely. This very minute you can pause us. It's okay. We're, we're fine with that. Yes. And then the going along with that, create regular spaces. So you're getting a date on the calendar right now, but then figure out like, when can we regularly meet and make it a priority? Like yeah. make it like you are actually going to meet another person that would be, you know, really important date or time. Don't like start rescheduling it constantly. Like I know life happens, things come up, but don't let it get away from you. Because when you get that regular communication, then it takes away some of the fear that you might have to like bring it up. Oh, I like, I know there's a problem, but I don't know how to bring this up. So you say, well, I know it's on the schedule and I yeah. know we're going to ask these questions. So we're going to talk about it. I, I don't have to be worried about it. I don't have to have that fear. And then for men, I think a lot of times it takes away the awkward yeah. kind of feeling of like clunky, like how do I even start this? Cause if I do, you know, and she's in the middle of something, it's just going to end up in a train wreck and I don't want to do that. And so we just kind of tamp down all of our emotions. Right. We're kind of a little bit different in that way, but uh, maybe than the normal husband and wife, I talk more and express myself more. A lot more. She yes. shoves down a little bit. That's another <laughs> Me too. We're working on episode it. for another time. <laughs> and if you're already in an unhealthy place, bring somebody else in. Yeah, like if you're going good. into a conversation and things are already really tense, bring in a counselor or a mediator, You know, somebody who can just bring some stability to that and help you walk through those things. Absolutely. And I would just say that amateurs learn by trial and error. Um, professionals get coached and you want to be a pro in your marriage. You don't yes. want to be an amateur in your marriage. Like, trust me, that's not, that's not a recipe for success. Like just, I'm just going to figure it out and I don't have to learn from anybody. Yeah. How's that going for you? <laughs> like that, that, that's not a, a great thing to do there. Yeah. But again, we have a link to some questions that you can use to get started on the conversation that we hope will be really helpful for, helpful for you. So make sure to check those out. Yeah. And we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. If you would do us a huge favor, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, would you rate and review the podcast? That helps us, one, to know how we're doing. It also helps us to get that message out to more people so they can discover the hope and healing that Jesus has for them by infusing some faith into their family. But we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time.